Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail, the latest salvo fired in the years-long battle to get big tech to pay its fair share of tax. A two-day meeting of G20 finance ministers is underway in Venice, Italy. The ministers are expected to endorse a deal setting a global minimum corporate tax of 15%. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen spearheaded that effort, which would not only establish a global minimum tax, it would also rewrite the tax rules for the largest multinationals. Google, Facebook, Amazon, these companies rake in tens of millions in some cases hundreds of millions, in advertising revenue every year, but pay very little in tax. Now, lots of countries have tried lots of plans to change that with varying levels of success. Any digital company with revenue of more than 750 million euros, of which at least 25 million euros is generated in France, would be subject to the levy. This new diverted profits tax puts the onus on the companies to disprove uh, that they're shifting the the money overseas for the purposes of minimising tax. But is this most recent development really the ambitious plan it's being heralded as? or yet another misdirected idea destined for the back burner. A lot of politicians are addicted to social media. Possibly that factors into their decisions when big tech companies threaten to leave a country or severely restrict what what features they offer. That's Chris Keel, senior business writer at the New Zealand Herald, who sat down with me to discuss how much tax the digital giants pay in New Zealand, the complicated but entirely legal ways they minimise it, in the nuts and bolts behind this most recent proposal. For somebody who has absolutely zero familiarity with companies and how they pay tax and what money they pay tax on and things like that, so it's a company based in New Zealand and they sell whatever tissues. Hmm. How is it meant to work? Uh, The way it's meant to work for a company is that they sell X amount of goods and then they pay the uh, company tax rate of 28% on their profit. So what is different, if anything, about big digital, particularly digital companies? The difference with the the big tech companies is that they can have substantial sales in New Zealand without having much of a, um actual physical operation here. And we see that with Google, Facebook, Apple and others. How do they do that? What are they selling? Most of the stuff that they sell is through agents or often with... Um, Facebook or Google is primarily advertising. They can do that all online or just sell software via the cloud. So they don't need to have offices. They don't need to have lots of people here. They can do what they need to do and they can rake in millions and millions of dollars without actually having a physical presence here in New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. And so why does that make things tricky from a tax perspective? Oh, well, I think uh, just to use Google as an example, um, Back in, in 2019, people were looking at the online advertising market and it was it was coming at very roughly $700 million per year being spent online. And Google was the, the big kahuna in that market. It was really dominating it. So it was probably getting in about half a billion in ad revenue from New Zealand. And then when their uh, company's office return came in, it was in the order of a few tens of millions and actually uh, reported a, a loss in the region of around one million. And so they met with the revenue minister at the time, or they met with uh, Stuart Nash and Chris Farfoy. The online 
advertising market in this country is worth about $920 million. And we know that about 36% of that is from, uh, from offshore companies. So we understand the revenues. We're just not too clear on the profits. But it's why it's at such a low level. I mean, we're only talking about 2 or 3%, and that'll be fleshed out in the discussion document, as opposed to your corporate tax rate for bricks and mortar companies based here at 28%. And they knew that uh, regulation was coming because various Western countries, uh, Australia with its so-called Google tax. The Australian budget speech, the first delivered by new treasurer Scott Morrison, contained the sentence, everyone has to pay their fair share of tax, especially large corporates and multinationals. The UK, France and others were were starting to to crack down. The French Parliament has passed legislation imposing a 3% tax on internet and technology companies like Google, Facebook and Amazon. So what they did is they pledged to book all the revenue that they made in New Zealand to New Zealand. And I knew as a um, Google customer on an individual level when I bought uh, Google Apps each month it was charged to a um, subsidiary in Ireland or or Singapore. So they were pushing that revenue offshore to um, subsidiaries in countries that um, had a a lower tax rate. Uh, Because we've said uh, we're 28%, Ireland is 12.5%. But there's also um, complicated operations, a so-called double Dutch, double Irish, where they um, can book revenue from a country like New Zealand into a, to a subsidiary in Ireland, and then that pays money to a subsidiary in the Netherlands, which pays it back to a um, Irish-owned subsidiary in somewhere like Bermuda with almost no tax. So there's all that sort of stuff, which um, felt a bit wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, Google said, you know, we're going to be straight up, all revenue made in New Zealand will be uh, booked to New Zealand. So um, for the, the 2019 financial year, revenue that they booked in New Zealand uh, increased from around $17 million to around um, $36 million. Still seemed a bit low, but uh, what they did was they had a uh, an in-house fee that they charged to the US parent, uh-huh. which is actually called Alphabet. Mm-hmm. And the year before, that fee had been $86 million for all the services that the US parent paid to them. And then for 2019, that uh, suddenly jumped to $511 million, or just over half a billion dollars, uh-huh. which they said was net of their revenue, uh-huh. so they didn't count it. As part of the uh, the taxable amount, so they effectively they had um, booked far more revenue to New Zealand, but they said that the charges, the in-house service fees from the US parent, had suddenly jumped from eighty six million to five hundred eleven million. So the the pool of revenue that was taxable was actually very similar, okay. and um, they they paid around two and a half million tax, but it was still for the size of the operation relatively low. Hypothetical example time. Say you have a company that makes podcasts. You have 10,000 subscribers in New Zealand. They all pay 200 bucks a year, so you're taking 2 million bucks a year in revenue. But you had costs. You had to spruik out your studio, buy new microphones, pay your long-suffering audio engineer, keep the lights on. You end up spending a million bucks, so your profit for the year is a million bucks. When the tax man comes, you pay 28%, 280 grand. Easy peasy, right? Wrong. That million dollars is just the underlying profit. Because the thing is, you have this parent company in Australia. 
and you had to pay them $999,999 for um, advice, services, marketing stuff. So actually your net profit was $1. Here's your 28 cents. So I said, uh, I asked them what's up with this huge payment to your US parent and they said, well, we incur most of our expenses in the US. We do most of our R&D there. We have most of our corporate team there and most of their operations in the US to create the product which they sell here. And um, that that sounded fair enough because that is how Google and most big tech companies operate. Mm. Then I asked, why did it uh, jump from... 86 million to 511 million, and the year just closed 517 million. And uh, they said it's our new operating model. And that was that three word quote was uh, as much detail as was forthcoming. New operating model. Yeah. Uh, they uh, stressed they were fully within the, uh, the tax laws and working constructively with the uh, New Zealand government. A 2016 analysis of 20 multinationals' tax payments by the Herald's Matt Nippet suggested that if the local branches were as profitable as their parent companies, the country was missing out on half a billion dollars in tax every year. Which raises the question, is what Google has done legal? Uh, I think it is. I was talking to a uh, massy ad- academic who is an expert in tax law, uh, Victoria Nova. She said that there's no doubt they are within the law, but that perhaps indicates that the um, the few handful of technical changes that we introduced in 2018-2019 uh, have, have not been enough, not been robust enough. So maybe we could look to other countries for inspiration. In uh, Australia, a couple of years ago, they introduced what they call the, the diverted profits tax, or what's popularly known as the Google tax. Mm-hmm. So they said that if a multinational, and the criteria basically described big tech companies, if they moved revenue offshore for, um, doing air quotes, contrived reasons rather than genuine business purposes, then they'd have to pay a, uh, a penalty tax rate of um, 40%. It's basically where largely tech companies, multinationals, shift a whole bunch of their profits overseas through licensing agreements, uh, intellectual property licensing and things like that, where they pay big fees from, say, their Australian or New Zealand or UK subsidiaries to subsidiaries based in tax havens uh, for intellectual property that apparently comes from those tax havens. But of course, it probably comes from San Francisco, but they don't really want to pay the tax there either. And this is intended to to put a 40% tax on any profits shifted overseas like that. And given that the Australian corporate tax rate is currently 30% and slated to fall to 25% over the next decade, uh, that's a fairly big disincentive for trying it on. And uh, in December, they uh, reached a settlement with Google that saw Google pay, uh, I think it was $498 in back payments to the um, Australian tax office. The search engine giant said that the move would resolve a long-standing dispute and provide certainty in relation to future tax treatment. It's a big win, mind you, for the Australian government, with almost a third of big corporations there avoiding all tax payments, and that's what the Australian tax office is saying. This settlement now makes up almost $860 million that the ATO has collected from other tech giants. That includes Facebook, Microsoft and Apple.
I suppose the difficulty there being figuring out what are contrived reasons, figuring out how mm. much revenue they're actually making, the cost of policing and enforcement. Yeah. And they did uh, uh, give the Australian tax office in the order of tens of millions more to enforce it. So it was quite substantial. In the US, we saw President Trump, who was in power at the time, not always a, a friend of big tech, but in the, he didn't like to see foreign governments getting a, a slice of the, um, the US multinationals tax. So he basically said he didn't want companies to have their own sort of local efforts to, to grab uh, tax from the, the big tech um, companies. And he was basically just uh, stop doing it because I'm Donald Trump. But then we've had uh, Joe Biden come in and he's taken a more nuanced approach. Wealthy nations have agreed on a global minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. The deal aims to prevent countries setting artificially low taxes to attract investments, especially from high-tech companies. Finance ministers from the G20 member countries came together in Venice, including China, the US and Germany. The group represents the world's largest economies and it now has a common goal to set a minimum tax rate for companies of at least 15%. The post-pandemic world must be fairer, especially with regard to international taxation. For too long there has been a global race to the bottom in corporate taxes. So we'll tax them at 15%, but all the um, countries where they do business can have a, um, a little slice of that on the proviso that you um, drop proposals such as a, uh, a digital services tax, which is something that um, New Zealand has been looking at since about 2019. June 2019 it was first proposed. Revenue Minister Stuart Nash has released the digital service tax discussion document this afternoon, which is now open to consultation. The platforms affected would be companies like Uber, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram and Airbnb. What is a digital services tax? This is something France has implemented one of these yeah. two, right? Yeah, so in uh, mid-2019 our government was looking at this problem and one of the things that was proposed was just a flat 3% uh, tax on whatever revenue a, a big tech company made here. Okay. So from um, that 500 million that you were talking about, it would just take two to three percent of that 500 yeah. million in revenue, yeah. and that would be paid in tax. And it wasn't finalised; could have been three percent, could have been six percent. Though they were sort of mulling um, options. The complication would be that Google was saying our New Zealand revenue wasn't in the order of 550 million; it was around 43 million last year because oh, we had this huge internal charge from our US parent and we don't count that mm. as part of revenue. So we'd still sort of have that fight over what counts as um, revenue here. This maybe actually is quite a naive question, but yeah, why do they go so far out of their way to minimise the amount of tax that they pay? I guess any company that's, you know, <clears throat> that's sort of a shareholder responsibility thing, yep. is that it? This is capitalism? Well, we're looking at, I mean, the, the Biggest companies in the US used to be the oil companies, the car companies. Now the top ten is dominated by big tech companies. Apple was at the top. Uh, Amazon, um, Microsoft second and third. Facebook in the top ten. So these are all the uh, the biggest companies, and they're all publicly listed. They all have shareholders who, who want to maximise profit, and they're just doing what they can. I guess their directors would say they have a, a duty to uh, to make a, the maximum profit for their, their shareholders, which is what they're doing under the, the current global tax arrangements. Let's talk a bit about this Biden idea, the 15%. Uh, what? So there, it would be an effective, a 15% tax rate on 
profit made in all countries around the world. Yeah. That's pretty simple and elegant, is it? Mm. Yeah, in theory. And then the US would just say, well, Google might have made 1% of its profit in your country, so you can have 1% of whatever we've taken in as tax when we've taxed um, 15% of its profits. And I was just looking at the percentages for um, last year, and we uh, New Zealand accounted for something like 0.2% of uh, Google's worldwide revenue, which just sounds ridiculously low. But because, um, you know, HIP made yeah, $182 billion and a uh, $41 billion profit, I mean, we could still have got in the order of, you know, single-digit millions. So it gets down to, to tiny slices. So, I mean, at the end of the day, um, this year, Google is going to pay around two and a half million in uh, tax they estimate so we're just going to be in almost that that same region again I I think it's it's notable that if we had a um, digital services tax that would bring in around 16 million from from Google so that would be um, a meaningful amount of money but IIT has still estimated that if we introduced a digital services tax at 3% on big tech companies it would still only be um, 30 to 80 million a year so it's not not really um, huge. Better than a kick in the bum, though, isn't it? Yeah. So what is the resistance to doing something like that? Is it the complexity of introducing that kind of tax? Is it the potential pushback from these companies? Yeah, I, I think it's pushback. They argue that the New Zealand economy benefits hugely from the uh, technology that they bring. I mean, if Google did, say, withdraw from New Zealand from for any reason, then um, we could switch to different email and we could switch to Bing instead of Google or whatever. So ask Jeeves. It's, it's, yeah, ask Jeeves. It's not like our economy would necessarily um, collapse. They argue um, they make us a lot more efficient and certainly they make some of our politicians a lot more efficient. Digital advertising these days is a very effective way to get to... Uh, you know, to diverse groups. And so, you know, we're not saying that this is the wrong thing to do or that mm. it's, or that digital advertising is bad. It's not in, in any way, shape or form. But what we are saying is if you're a company that hasn't got a permanent establishment here, and that's sort of a tax phrase for bricks and mortar, um, but you are earning uh, revenue here, then you should be paying tax on that. A lot of politicians around the world now, they, um, they use Twitter and especially Facebook as a way to um, reach voters in unmediated fashion if you have a live press conference around a big event then everyone will watch your your first 10 minutes live a lot of them through Facebook or other media who have to do live streams because if there's a Facebook one you have to carry it live to, to compete and then not everyone will stick around for questions or analysis later so I think a lot of uh, politicians are addicted to social media and possibly that factors into their decisions when when big tech companies threaten to, to leave a, a country or severely restrict what what features they offer you don't seem to have much hope that a solution will be struck in the short to mid term that it'll just be sort of a bit of pontificating and maybe there will be some ideas that are thrown up but they never really get past the Mm. first step of enacting them i think we will eventually lurch toward something close to the oec's idea of a universal corporate tax or universally coordinated measures or perhaps 
Biden's idea of the the fifteen percent global minimum corporate tax rate that we all all share, as long as we don't do our unilateral actions. But that's going to take years. I mean, there'll be some politicians, as we've seen in France or Australia, who go a lot more on the front foot and they might uh, get things done faster. But probably the biggest chance that things that action would happen faster is if one of the big tech companies just pushes things a bit too far when they're trying to block news. Facebook has banned Australians from sharing or viewing any local news content on its platform. The drastic move follows the federal government's proposed legislation that would force companies like Facebook and Google to pay for the content they share on their sites. Probably missteps by big tech would be the the fastest thing to accelerate it. Otherwise, I think, you know, it's been since 2013, so it's probably going to be just as long again until we see um, action otherwise. That's an interesting point, actually, and I guess it kind of gets into a question of, like, if if these big tech companies did start paying their quote-unquote fair share, whether that would take the microscope off some elements of those business models. I mean, you read and you hear a lot about, for example, the, in some cases, horrifying labour conditions of... Uh, Amazon workers, maybe if a big company like Amazon is paying hundreds of millions of dollars every year, there is less less of a glare on those elements of its business model. Well, I mean, it's possible there's been uh, obviously huge amounts of press about uh, paying conditions lower down the food chain at big tech companies, obviously with Amazon, with people it employs directly and with others, sometimes it's contractors in China who might not well, certainly fall short of uh, sort of Western... Uh, rates of value and uh, things like pollution and uh, younger people working and so forth. Mm. And Jeff Bezos has made noises recently about how he maybe wouldn't mind paying more tax, but we'll we'll just have to see whether that's uh, PR or something uh, he might actually support Mm. substantial political change. The thing is, these are real global companies. They're more powerful than most sovereign nations. And without a clear plan and a clear timeline, it's likely the status quo will march on. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. Unlike our mythical example, the detail is free and you can download us to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. If you want to get in touch, you can email us, thedetail at rnz.co.nz. Alexia Russell produced today's episode and Jeremy Ansell engineered it. And thanks to Chris Keel. Matewa.